0: Listening to First Church Charlotte. So, Genesis 37, verse number five. Now, Joseph had a dream. Somebody say, Joseph had a dream. He had a dream and uh, he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So, Joseph had a dream. He told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So my title is Chasing Dreams. Before you're seated, uh, high five your neighbor and say, I hope you have a dream and I hope you chase it hard. (laughs) Amen. Amen. We're standing in the first month of a new year. We are called in our respective talents and abilities to be people of God, people of faith, not to live for ourselves, but to live for a spiritual purpose. Can I have a big amen? amen? This year, I believe if the Lord will so bless us, we can have a year of spiritual productivity. We can have a year of growth in terms of effectiveness of ministry, in terms of efficiency of effort, in terms of becoming better. Ministers, better prayer warriors, better people of faith. We can grow individually. And most importantly, we can be the entryway to spiritual life for the people that God has placed in our life. I want you all to know that it very much is the will of God that there is an awakening, a spiritual awakening in your world. And God has chosen you as his ambassador to your world. You are God's plan for 2019 being a year of spiritual awakening in your world. And I want you to know, first of all, God would not ask you to do something you cannot do without his help. He would only ask you to do something that through his help you would actually be able to do. And so we all of us awaken to a sense of spiritual purpose in our life somehow, some way, very common scripturally and very common by way of personal testimony for us to have an introduction to spiritual potential through some sort of a dream. In the Bible, you'll find many, many uh, leaders, prophets, preachers that are awakened to a sense of destiny by having a dream that even if they don't understand it, it in some way kind of stirs them. It in some way awakens them. And they begin to live with a sense of a world beyond this world. Lord, I pray it would happen among us here in this church. They begin to live with a sense of purpose beyond my current place. And they don't know how they would ever, hear me church, they don't know how they would ever accomplish the Vague calling and purpose that is in some way inside the dream, but they are aware of a fact that there is a calling that seems to stir them, seems to awaken them to purpose, seems to challenge them and say, you have more. You have further. You have a higher place. I want to elevate you. I want to exalt you. I want to, in some way, take you as a tool, and I want to do something that is beyond you. And that's what a dream does in us. We know... Through the prophecy of Joel, that of course was began to be fulfilled on the day of Pentecost with the introduction of the church age. We know that there is a promise that there would be dreams and visions. There would be this spiritual awakening uh, where um, uh, elders dream dreams and youth have visions. Or depending on your place, depending on your personality, you might have a dream or you might have a vision. But all of these things serve as a spiritual spiritual alarm clock and they uh, in some way bestir you <laughs> and they awaken you and you have this sense that there's I need to do something I, I'm not where I need to be I, I will never forget being a being a, a 16 year old church drummer I was a fine church drummer I was one of the best church drummers that the church has ever had and uh uh, we drums were set up over here then I was just sixteen years old this was right after the flood and the ark was on Mount Ararat, And so I, I was right over here and the drums were set up right over here. And it was the end of the service. And I, I had this sense on oh, me, I'm going to stand here as a way of connecting to the memory. I had this sense that I wanted to do something for God, but I didn't know what, uh, you know, my friends and my peers were seeing angels and demons and, and the like. And all I had was this sense that I would like to do something for God, but I don't know what, I don't know where to begin. I know uh, my family's in ministry, but none of them had an easy path that's it 's easy to think, oh your dad was a, that mean it was an easy path to ministry. Um, none of them had a formula on how to do it. none of them, all of them had ended up in ministry in different ways uh, they, there, there was no plan in place. well, first, you get this degree and then you go to this church and then you'll get a lot of phone calls. There was nothing like that in fact, none of them could give me this simple plan into ministry. They all hid behind this mysterious have you been called to preach and I, I wonder to be called to preach and I lobbied to be called to preach and so uh, I, I just had not had this dramatic what I had instead of a story what I had was a dream and I had, a, I had a sense, a vague sense, that I would like in some way to be used of God, but I don't know what that looks like, and I don't know how it will unfold. And so I was over here at the end of the service, and the prayer uh, service had ended, and we had a visiting preacher. And I was hid behind this barrier we had over here to keep me from killing the people on the front row with the sound of my immense and beautiful drumming. <laughs> And so I'm in this cage back here, not quite as cool as the one we have now, but kind of in this cage over here. And I'm sitting here and I'm just looking down at the snare drum and I'm just kind of thinking like, man, how, can, how come I can't get an angel? How come I can't, you know, how? of course, some of those people who saw angels don't even serve the Lord today. So I don't know if it helped them much to see an angel. But anyway, I don't mean that bad. It's just, you know, drama's not the solution. Faithfulness is the solution. That's right. That's right any of y'all would like to write down, that's fine with me, I'll bill you later. I'm sitting right over here kind of hid behind this wall and I said, Lord, if you would like to use me in spite of my inability to not be able to see dramatic things, if, you, if you'd like to use me somehow, um, I, I, I would just like a simple sign. i, I tell you what, let's just just have the, the guest preacher doesn't know me, just have him come over here and walk behind this wall and lay hands on me after the service is over. And so I'm sitting here and I'm looking at my, the snare drum and I'm thinking to myself, no, Nothing cool ever happens to me. You know, I've always been good at self-pity. That's like a specialty, you know. And um, and I look up and this pastor, this visiting pastor is walking around walking around. He walks all the way around here and he comes up these drums. And we used to have bass amps and guitar amps. And the way he got to the drums is you come in here and you kind of step back and you dance. And then you do kind of a ninja roll. And you do a back step and then you swing and jump over the canal of alligators and then you get back to the drum set. And uh, he did all of that. You know, American Ninja Warrior stuff. And he got all the way back here and he laid hands on me and he started praying for me right here. And I, I immediately, I immediately had this, as it were, this sense that there was something There was something. I I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a formula. But somehow God wanted to use me, even with my difficult personality, even with my my different way of uh, viewing things and my different way of approaching things. And it awakened within me a dream, but I did not know. And so it is when God awakens in you a sense of I have a work to do. I have something to give. I, I have something to offer. How many of you are dreamers here today? I think uh, some of you didn't raise your hand, but I'm claiming you for a dream. Um, so here's a young man by the name of Joseph, and he has in his heart this this passion, uh, perhaps um, awakened by the dream that he cannot understand. Real quick, before we dive into Joseph, there are four events in the first 11 chapters of Genesis. That is, of course, the creation, also the fall, also the flood, and finally the Tower of Babel. And so you can think of it this way, creation is God's gift to us. He made you a living soul. He imparted to you a divine sovereignty. You get to choose now. You don't have to choose to love him. You can reject him, but you now have been given sovereignty. God gave away power that he might have fellowship with you. And he so loved you that he risked your rejection in the effort that he might feel your love. That's the gift of creation. And so after that comes humanity's fall, our rebellious path to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then comes, as the earth grows darker, comes judgment, and then finally the tower. So if creation's God's gift, and the fall is humanity's rebellion, and the flood is divine judgment, then the tower becomes humanity's effort to fix the problem by removing God as having the power of judgment over them. But we're not quite organized yet to take on God. And so our own confusion ends that story. And then the story switches from four events to four covenant relationships. I want you to see this. This is this is important to me. Because whereas we try to fix the problem of rebellion and judgment by taking power from God, we're going to build a tower. God can No longer judge us. That's our plan to fix the fall. God's plan is not through power, but through covenant relationships. God does what we try to do with force. He does it through friendship. What we try to do with dominance, God does through relationship. And he's still in the business of looking for those who will talk to him and walk with him and love him with their whole heart. He's still in the business of covenant relationship. These four men, you know them, of course. (coughs) Excuse me is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but we skip over Joseph and the large the longest story in the book of Genesis is the story of Joseph. most of us think, most of us think it's Abraham because there is of course an emphasis on first things, but Joseph has a longer story than Abraham, and uh, we see uh, more of the goodness in Joseph than we see in, in, in Abraham. We know a more about Abraham's failures and faults than we know about joseph's and Joseph Comes in many ways a teaching example, a teaching type uh, that we can learn from and grow from. In this series, we're looking at chasing dreams is literally going to be a manner of us looking at the life of Joseph and trying to grow, trying to become, trying to strive. And so, through Joseph, we see lessons that we need to learn as quickly as possible. Somebody say as quickly as possible. We need to learn as quickly as possible, because God has a work, a call, a dream for us to fulfill. You are called of God. You are chosen of God. You have been given a mission by God, and he wants to get you working as soon as possible. Uh, And again, I say amen. Look at Joseph, he teaches us so much about what it means to begin as a dreamer. And then to become a leader. He was chosen and rejected. He was loved and hated. He was favored and abused. He was betrayed and rescued. He was promoted and imprisoned. He was tested and rewarded. He was slandered and praised. And if we're going to do anything for God we're going to have to learn how to follow in those kind of footsteps and understand that the victory and the struggle are not separate from each other, but they are the same thing. They are different sides of the same thing. At no point does Joseph ever take his eyes off of the Lord. Adversity does not harden him. Prosperity does not ruin him. Temptation does not destroy him. Imprisonment does not embitter him. Promotion does not change him. He was truly a man who became what God wanted him to become in order to do a work that God had ordained for him to do. I pray today that God would awaken in us a dream and then from that dream. Show us a path of becoming. And then I pray, oh Lord, let it be. We would have the spiritual courage to become what God would have us to become. That we might do what this generation so desperately needs. And that is to be a church of the apostolic anointing. A a church of the presence of God. A church of the manifestation of grace and the manifestation station of glory. I pray it starts over here and jumps over here and then lumps over here and then runs over here. I pray we become more than dreamers. We have our, our, one of our oldest class here today. And so I want to use all you guys that look up here sitting on the front row so fine and young and fantastical and strong and generally mildly teenagerly, rebellious. I'm going to use you here today. This whole class stand up here, this front row I've got on this class. I want you to look how stinking awesome these kids are up here. Give them a hand. That's right. That's right. So y'all look at me. Y'all look at me. So here's what's cool. Y'all have this awesome life ahead of you. And, um... That doesn't mean there won't be trouble. There will be trouble in spades. But uh, that also means that you're going to make it through the trouble. And God's going to do great things with you. Can I get an amen from the church? You guys look at me. Look at me. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. See, I'm picking on you in the middle of the church. I don't even care. I have to deal with it. God wants to use you. God has his hand on your lives. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. See, I get to point, I'm the preacher. God wants to use you. So I want you guys to listen to me. You'll have so much potential in you. It's like you're bursting with spiritual uh, uh, becoming. And so I want you guys to know this. Number one, God can put you exactly where he wants you to be. This is all shown in the scripture, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. God can put you exactly where he wants you to be. Number two, God can arrange the details of your life all in advance. Number three, God can open doors that are shut. So you guys need to get in the habit of knocking on doors you think are shut. If you won't knock, let's get in the habit of knocking on doors that seem to be shut. Number four, God can remove any obstacle that is in the way of what he wants you to become. And so you can do more than you think you can because God can remove the obstacles. Number five, God can take your choices and integrate them in his plan so you end up the right person at the right place at the right time. And you're stunned at how it all worked out. And all you can say is that's a God thing. (laughs) Number six, I want you guys to really get this one. God can even use your mistakes. I know your mom and dad don't want you to make any mistakes. They want you to be perfect little, you know. But we're going to pretend like y'all, we know the real truth and y'all ain't perfect. You see what I'm saying? I want you to see mistakes don't separate you from God. God's in the business of using mistakes. Yeah. He doesn't want you to make mistakes, but he understands the nature of who he has committed to work with. And he will use your mistakes. There's no reason to give up. And finally, God can even take tragedy in your life. There will be troubles and God can use you for that tragedy. Church, stand your hands toward these young people right now. Lord, we pray for them. We pray your protection upon them. We pray your anointing upon them. We pray you would guide them into their purpose. We pray you would multiply their talents. We pray you would place them at the right time, having become the right person. And use them according to your glory in Jesus' name. And let the whole church say in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for standing. Let's give them a hand as they're seated. Very quickly, stay with me. Uh, Joseph teaches us a specific set of lessons. Destiny starts with dreams that are often more confusing than anything else. Destiny can start with a confusing dream. I don't know what it means, but it seems to beckon me and it seems to call me. Dreams can be an entryway into purpose and dreams can reveal divine favor. Now do not think that if there's trouble in your life that you are without favor, That is very immature. Sometimes you are in trouble because you are favored and the enemy wants to stop what God's trying to do in your life. Any of you who have ever had a sense of what you could do for God, what you could be for God, what you could become for God, I pray today that you will hold tight to that. And I pray that you will make that a part of your daily prayer. And I pray you would say on a regular basis, God, don't let me settle for what I understand when you are constantly beckoning me beyond that which is my comfort zone. Because the moment we trade what we're comfortable with for what God's purpose is, we just put a limit on God. Dreams are introductions to what God wants to do to you. Joseph was God's man, yes, but he did not have an easy life. And we can read his story and we can see the struggle in his story. And we can see the kind of things we're going to have to learn how to do if we're going to be used of God. If this church is going to make a difference in this place at this time, we can see the things we're going to have to do. We can see in the life of Joseph and in the life of the prophets and the the kings and the priests and the disciples, and we can see the kinds of things we're going to have to do. Like Joseph, we're going to have to trust God even when we're in the pit of despair. We're going to have to learn how to be faithful even in the midst of sexual temptation. We're going to have to be redeemed from a painful past. We're going to have to do while we wait. And we're going to have to say, impatience will not destroy my purpose. We're going to have to choose to see... God's hand in things we do not understand. And we're going to have to choose how to make wise plans with his leading. We're going to have to be sensitive to the word of the Lord as he awakens our conscience and turns us away from the things of this world. And we're going to have to manifest the marks of true repentance in our life. We're going to have to live for God in a pagan culture. Yes, yes. We're going to have to learn how to overcome bitterness. We're going to have to, just like Joseph and just like all of our fathers and mothers before us, we're going to have to learn how to die well in testimony and victory because Joseph shows us what it's like to have an awakening in your heart and say, God might be preparing. God might be placing. I'm, I'm not just going to see the tragedy of this. I'm going to say, God, my life is in your hand. And if you will bring good out of it, I will rejoice in the testimony of your deliverance and your victory. So I want to give you four things in this this first, this first uh, uh, sermon of this series that we're doing In the in in this month, I want to give you the first principle that you're going to live this. I am going to live this, and it is simply this: look at Joseph at any stage of his story. And uh, if you haven't heard the story of Joseph, he is a young man with favor. He has a dream that God's going to elevate him. He doesn't know the whys and the wherefores. He just has this dream. He tells his brethren. They already don't like him because they're jealous. He seems to have a favored place and. And uh, so they, 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 they really conspire to to have him first murdered and then they they sell him into slavery and they lie to his father, uh, their father, what happened to him. He sold into slavery. You think things would get better. He works diligently wherever he is. He's exalted in a ho- household where he serves as a manager of sorts. But uh, the, 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 the man's wife, Potiphar's wife, accuses, falsely accuses uh, Joseph of trying to rape her, and he ends up in prison. In prison, he is used of God there, he interprets dreams, and you would think that they would remember, but they don't remember, and he has to fight the bitterness and the the pain of of being stagnant and forgotten and lost and trapped, you're not the only one that's ever felt that way. And eventually in God's time, God takes him from the guttermost, as the preacher likes to say, to the uttermost, he takes them from the, the, the dungeon to the palace. And because God can put you where He wants you to be when He wants you to be there. And Joseph comes to the height of his power at no point in Joseph's story does he know how the story is going to end. He has to choose to do the right thing when he doesn't know how it will end, just like you're going to have to do, just like I'm going to have to do. He's going to have to choose to honor God when he doesn't know if it's going to work out. We have some advantage. We know that God is going to bring this experiment to an end and grace and the church age is going to come to a day of finality and we're going to be on the winning side. Can I have a big amen? Joseph doesn't even know that. Joseph knows almost nothing but Joseph chooses. He's going to be God's man even when he does not know what that means. If you're going to take a dream and turn it into something God would be Be honored by you doing if you're going to take a call and pursue it into something that God could bless and God could multiply. If that's going to happen, you're going to have to again and again say, I do not know how the story ends, but I will trust God. I don't know how this is going to come to completion, but I will trust God. Number one, you do not know how the story will end. You don't know what will become of the dream. But in spite of that, you hold to that promise and you hold to that calling. And when things go against you, you don't give up your spiritual identity because you don't understand your spiritual context. Now that's just about as good as I can do right there. Do not trade your spiritual identity, who you are in promise and who you are in God. Tell him I said hello. You do not trade that because of your spiritual context, because of your current confusion. I'm beat up by 17 people, but I'm still God's son, and I claim his blessing on my life. I'm so stinking broke, poor people send me Christmas cards, but I'm still God's son and I'm not letting go of his plan. Do you see what, see what's happening there? I'm so sick of this context, this circumstance I'm in. I want to go put a hole in the church wall or break a church plant, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to reassure myself. I am God's man. I'm God's woman. Do not trade your identity for the frustration of your circumstance. Number two, we all begin in selfishness. When Joseph has the dream, all he can see, hear me, pay attention for a moment. All he can see is that his brethren are bowing down to him. The more spiritually spiritually immature you are, the more you will think of ministry in terms of status. Who's in charge of what? Who has a title? Who got to sing the special? Just because I get offended because I don't get to sing a special does not mean you should be offended because you don't get to sing the special. You see what I'm saying? The more immature we are, are. We're just like Joseph. And so we blab our mouth about status, not purpose. You see, if Joseph would have gone to his brothers and said, I have a dream, I don't know what it means, but I think someday I'm going to save you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to provide for you someday. I'm going to be a safe place for you. No one would have been mad about him about that, but he went to him and said, all you suckers are going to bow down. So we might as well start practicing today. Sounds like some church meetings I've been in. <laughs> the more immature you are, the more you will think God's blessings are about your elevation and not his purpose. The more you will think that God's elevation is about your exaltation and not God's kingdom. And so you will be dangerous with your dreams. Come on now. Yeah. Come on. Lay it down, but if you will stay on God's path, He's going to beat all that selfishness right out of you. Our dreams are dangerous in, our, in their infancy because we think that God is exalting us for us, not exalting us to serve. But all the elevations of God come to serve others. Even God Himself, hung between heaven and earth, died for you. Number three, you will define who you are before you discover what you can do. You have a sense of awakening in your life. You have a spiritual call. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. I feel like something's trying to happen among us. You will feel a call on your life. You won't be able to explain it. There'll only be this sense that I'd like to do something. I'd like to be involved. I'd I'd like to be uh, a part of the work. And and as a pastor, I feel the same way, God. I I, I so crave the, the ability of our church to have an impact on this community. We don't want to just be a maintenance crew where we keep everybody saved. We want to be an evangelism crew where we throw our hearts at a community and we say, God has something for you. We don't want to just receive, we want to give. We don't want to just have, we want to share. Lord Jesus, awaken within this church a sense of spiritual purpose and awakening so out of us can come divine calling and purpose and ministry. And this can be a place of the weighty presence of God. Yes, amen determine who we are before we discover what we can do. You see, all Joseph has to do in his life, all he has to do is give up his ethics and he will break his potential. We all of us are tempted to compromise, to be a compromiser, to say we put God first, but not to put God first. We all are tempted to pretend like we're Christian and live with secret secret sins. You know what that is? That's compromise. We are all tempted to say God is first on my throne, but then we act as though we are idolaters. And we spend more of our time worshiping sports teams or, or celebrities or shows or entertainments than we do God our creator. That is compromise. Don't, I know a lot of people use compromise in that they find other people wanting, but that's just, that's just Phariseeism. Quit worrying about other people. You look at your heart and say, where am I slipping right now? What am I doing wrong? How's my prayer life doing? Huh? How's my prayer life doing? All of a sudden, you want to put down that devil instrument, the telephone that, that was given to you so you talk negative about other people. See, see what I did there? I went straight old school. I don't even care. I can't came to this side. So maybe I'm saying something to this part of the church right here. Y'all just, this is what I want to say. Look at your heart, humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and say, I'm not just going to pretend but you're my King. You're going to really be my King. My identity is fixed. I'm not going to try to do a spiritual thing through the acts and the actions of the flesh. That's how we compromise when we say it's for God, but it's really for us. He will define who he is in the quiet moments where he is unseen. Celebrated When he ends up in prison, he will define that he's a man of ethics. He will define that he is God's man. He will define that I don't let bitterness get a grip on me. He will define that before he discovers what he can do for God. And so it is with all of us. That's number three. Number four, if you cannot trust God in your, in your failure, God will not be able to trust you in your success. I'm done, musicians, come If you cannot live with hope and victory in the struggle, then it's going to be very difficult for you to be trusted with blessing because the blessing will test you more than the struggle. Oh, y'all aren't hearing me. The blessing will test you more than the struggle. The struggle will make you want to pray. The blessing will make you want to go to Hawaii. Speaking of which, anyone want to take me? Do I need to say this again? The trial will, many ways, lead you to an altar where you ask for help, God, I can't do it. Blessing will make you think, oh, you know, I think we're going to the beach this weekend. I know the church is having that, but it's fine. They can just, They'll be fine without us. We are rolling oftentimes prosperity is a more difficult test than struggle. And so I pray that you have a sense of spiritual calling on your life. I absolutely believe, hear me today, I absolutely believe you are God's plan to make a difference in your community, your world, your family. There are unsaved loved ones that are pending on you to have a dream and press and pray and press and pray. There are people that are going to be ill. They're going to be dying of a disease and of you guys because you have a dream. You're going to have the confidence to lay a hand on them and you're going to proclaim the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. And that cancer is going to be banished from their body. That's going to flow through some of your spiritual destinies. And it depends on me. It depends on you being hungry, being Hungry, being hungry. I have a sense of calling. I have a sense of spiritual destiny. I have a, spent, a sense of mission. It's not about me being elevated. It's about me serving. It's about me giving. It's about me communicating. It's about me being God's man at the right time, in the right way, in the right place. And I pray it for every one of you. And here at this church, I want to awaken in all of you a sense of commitment that I am going to become what God said I could become. When he first stirred my heart and put a dream of purpose upon me. Let's all stand. So I want us to do some directed prayer here. If you feel like I've been preaching to you today, uh, You have a sense of calling on your life. I'm not talking about being a preacher or a pastor. I wouldn't wish that on you. Uh, I'm just talking about a sense of spiritual purpose. If you have that in your heart and if you have that in your life, I'd like you to begin to just, just just presume that you're at home here and everything's okay. And I'd like you to step out of the chair you're in. And I'd like you to begin coming down to the front here and standing across the front of this church right now. You have a, a, a sense of hunger. You have a dream. That's right. Come on. pray. I know some of you are, you don't exactly know what to do because you're not exactly sure what the consequences of all this are. I want you to know that sounds just like somebody who woke up from a dream and doesn't know what it means. So we're glad you're here. (laughs) Prayer number one. Lord, am I living selfishly and missing my potential because I think it's all about me? All across the house, lift your hands in this house. Focus your minds and pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, save us from our selfishness. Save me from the immaturity of thinking divine elevation is about my exaltation, Lord Jesus. Help us to have a heart of generosity. Come on, church, help me pray right now. Help help us to have a heart of generosity. Help us to have a heart of service, oh God. Let's have a heart of giving. Help us to have a heart of I am a drink offering poured out on an altar, oh God. I am a drink offering poured out on an altar. Your second prayer Lord, help my character to support my destiny, not undermine it. Pray right, pray right now, all across the house, Lord Jesus. Give us the character we need to have to support the call in our life. We don't want our weakness of character, our our lack of ethics, our our, our immorality and sin, immaturity of a spiritual nature to undermine the call of God upon us. Lord Jesus, we we want our character to support our destiny, not undermine it. In Jesus' name we pray. Number three, I want you to pray this prayer. Lord, help me to have the same strength in my struggle that I have in my victory. And so live faith by my actions and not my words. Pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, we know struggle must come. We know pain must come. But God, give us the ability to see how we act in setback and struggle. More accurately defines who we are becoming. We act in the good times and in the happy days. Lord, stir us, I pray. Stir us and challenge us. Awaken to our hearts the sense of potential that we have. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. Fill us we with pray. your anointing, Lord. In Jesus' name we feel this church with a seed of spiritual becoming, spiritual destiny. For our management team. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. Worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. Pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.